mess and deal with and face. But it's not all bad. How can I get better? How can I revamp some mindsets? How can I mend some broken relationships now that people are kind of slowed down a little bit? How can I get closer to God? How can I work my craft, whatever my craft may be, a little bit more detailed and be a little bit more focused? How can I get my finances together? Can I get my home in order? Can my marriage do a little work? What makes the journey worth it? The pain, the adversity, the opposition, the challenges, the uncertainty. Why do I have to go through this? What's the lesson in this? I got a paralyzed right arm and hand. The million dollar question I get every single day is you wouldn't change what happened to you, why? Serendipity, join us for insightful dialogues about not just successes, but about failures, opposition, adversities that shape and mold the individuals to who they are today. I'm Inky Johnson, this is Serendipity. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Serendipity with Inky Johnson. Uh, today's guest, Andre Ward. You know, he's a husband, he's a father, and he's a Hall of Fame boxer. And so I won't hold you long. We're going to get right into it, man. And I'm going to let you all hear his insight, his wisdom, and how he lives his life. Dre, how you doing, my brother? Man, I'm, I'm honored, man, to be on with you, my brother. Thank you for having me. Uh, no doubt, man. First and foremost... It's only right. I'm big on gratitude, man. I want to thank you for your time. You know, I know you're a busy guy, so I greatly appreciate it. Anytime. Yeah. And so, so Dre, man, you're somebody that I've admired, man, like how you go about your craft, how you live your life, got a lot of respect and admiration for you. But I also understand like where we see people, where we meet people is not where they've always been. And so the reason I've started this platform, just serendipity, it's just about moments, right, that we go through in life that ends up working for our benefit, right, our betterment that we probably didn't think it would, right? And so I want you to take us back, Dre, to when you first, like, fell in love with boxing. What was that mindset and that process like? Man, for me, and you know, I, my first love was actually baseball. You know, wow. I was a pitcher in a sore stop. A lot of people don't know that. And wow. um, I didn't know that my dad was a fighter. Hmm. He just told me one day, you know, he was we just driving around. He said, yeah, man, I, you know, I fought as a heavyweight. Back hmm. then, they had boxing at the high school. He said, yeah, my high school, I was 15 and on. I was like, stop the music. I'm like, what? <laughs> you was a fighter? He was like, yeah, I boxed out, you know. And he started telling me these stories. And Inc., it was, it was just, it was immediately, like, I, I just, I got enamored with the stories that my dad was telling me, number one. And number two, my dad was my hero. You know, my mother, you know, she was struggling with her addiction at the time and was kind of in and out of my life. And uh, my dad was a single parent. So that was my everything. So when he told me that, Inky, that was it, man. And and we ended up going to the local boxing gym not long after that. And my dad being the way that he is, you know, he's very matter of fact. He said, look, man, if we do this, we go, we start, we started, we're going to stick to it. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Just let me get in. <laughs> and, uh. It didn't start off too good. You know, I went in there, didn't have a lot of experience. And, you know, I'm in a flight, fight or flight situation right away. And I'm I'm panicking. I'm covering up. And <laughs> he ain't got it. And, uh, my God, well, he wasn't my godfather at the time. We ended up meeting Virgil Hunter, who ended up being my godfather, my lifelong trainer. He was there just kind of encouraging my dad, saying, just give him some time. He's new at this. Give him some time. And long story short, Inc., I started to kind of turn the corner, man, and, and, and they saw that I had something. That's dope, man. Like, I love that, right? Because I, I never knew, like, in terms of baseball, and for most people, that's how it is, right? They start out in life and you meet them. Like, I met, like, an orthopedic surgeon, 
And I'm talking to my man, and he got like five offices in Atlanta. And I'm like, man, you had to always want to do this. And my man was like, no, nah, I was a soccer player. He's like, I was the number one soccer player in Hawaii. I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. And then I went down another journey. And so when I hear that, like, I love yeah. that, man. But like, Dre, I was, I was looking at something in terms of your story and your mm-hmm. journey. And it was like, man, this cat hasn't lost a fight since 14. Yeah. Right? Like. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Like at 14, like, did you just have this level of internal fortitude that made you just approach things a certain type of way? Let me just say this, you know, with boxing or without boxing, I was Mm -hmm. always extremely competitive. That's just the way it is. Like I I would get in trouble because I was so competitive. Like I (laughs) I hated to lose and I was a sore winner. If I won, I let you know about it. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't explain that. I believe it was innate. It was just something that God put in me. And um, and I was always a tough kid. You know, I didn't I didn't have a lot of street fights, but I, you know, I was just tough. You know, no matter what sport I played, I was gonna get dirty. And um, yeah, so so you know, as I started to 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 grow in the sport of boxing, you know, one thing that I'm grateful for is what my dad and what Virgil taught me. They weren't just training the body, they were training the mind. You know, they were always teach me little things at tournaments. You know, we had tournaments. You got cats from Ohio and Michigan and all over the place. And, I, you know, I'm from California, so I'm trying I'm in there. I'm trying to figure it out. And they say, look, you see that kid? He's trying to intimidate you. Mm. This is what you do. You walk right over there, sign your name on that sheet, let them know you're here. Look at them and you nod your head and walk back. They were always teaching me the mental aspect of the game. So you got you got the the, the extreme competitiveness that I was born with. Plus, you got two cats and my dad and Verge who were teaching me how to become a warrior, how to become a champion. You put those two things together, you got an individual that really, really, really doesn't like to lose. And I remember, Inky, I remember that last loss um, like it was yesterday. Mm. You know, John Revish, a fighter from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And Mm. I was in the 14, 15-year-old division. And we were in opposite brackets. And the way it works, it was a it was a national tournament in in in, in Lenexa, Kansas, called the Silver Gloves, and it, this was everything mm. for my age. You know, we we you would get a nice shiny belt if you won. You get these silver gloves, and, and you got bragging rights for a whole year. My boy won the silver. <laughs> no doubt. So we there, Inc. And, and and we got I don't know John Revish, but I'm starting to see him, and he's knocking guys out. So I would have my fight. There's three rings. I would have my fight in ring one. Then look over there, ring two, like, man, okay, that's John. You know, if he keep winning, we're going to meet each other. Boom, he a clip a dude and knock him out. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm trying to process this and figure this out. Then the next night, I win my fight. He clip another dude. I'm like, man. But I'm not really telling my coach that I'm feeling like this, right? right? It's the first time I've ever really felt intimidated. No doubt. But the kid is muscular. He a country boy, but he's a, he's a year older than me. He's 15, about to be 16, mm-hmm. and I just turned 14. So we meet in the finals. And the fight could have went either way, but I give him the nod because I did just enough to lose the fight. I just didn't trust myself and believe in myself enough, Inky, to go out there and beat John Revish. And he did believe in himself. Mm. And I remember coming back from the next of Kansas, curled up in a ball on a Southwest Airlines flight. I had the whole road of myself. So and for, for whatever reason, I remember every detail. There's a lot of turbulence. My coach and my assistant trainer, they were in the back. I was kind of in the front. And the looks on their faces and, mm. and the way that I felt, Inky, I, I never wanted to, to, to feel that again. And I know it's not all up to me, but I told myself that day, 
as much as up to me, the, the training, the focus, all this stuff, I'm never going to let this happen again. Nobody's going to ever beat me again before I get in the ring. If you beat me, you're going to have to earn it. Wow. That's strong. <laughs> That's strong, bro. Like, I That's love, I love, like, one of the things you talk about, Dre, is like being mindful. Like, when I hear you speak a lot and just talk in different settings, you talk about you got to be mindful. Like, why is that so important? Man, I think in life and and in athletics, man, I I just think it's, you know, like, detail is everything, you know? And I, like, as 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 a person and as an athlete, I never felt like I just had this unbelievable, you know, freakish gift of speed and power and strength and, you know, ability, you know, like any projects I take on, whether it's my documentary or, you know, maybe starting a podcast one day or or trying to sell a book, like anything that I find that I have to do, I got to work hard for it to be a success. So the details matter to me. Right. And that's how I was taught. We didn't leave any stone unturned. And of course, you don't do everything right. But I'm in a business even as an amateur, it's a business. Mm-hmm. I'm in a sport where it's about inches. Mm-hmm. If I leave one hand down an inch or two, I can get hit with a punch that can knock me out and change everything. So when when you got this kind of pressure on you every single day to be right, hey man, get your hand up, watch your footwork. This stuff kind of it doesn't leave. It doesn't just stay in the gym. It's, it you you, you kind of use that that mindset in life. You know, it's a saying that, you know, how you do some things is how you do all things, Absolutely. you know? And um, that's just kind of how I was wired, Inc. That's just the way I was trained. That's the way I was groomed. That's the way I was developed. And it can get, you know, if it's not tamed, it can get out of hand and you can, you can get too <laughs> tough vision with life, you know? So Thank that God. gets me in trouble sometimes. I got to take a step back and breathe. But when it's, when it's harnessed the right man, it can produce great results. Absolutely. Like I was talking to um, to an athlete earlier, and we was talking about that, like distinguishing the mentalities and understanding the carryover, right? How we approach our respective craft and how it applies to other areas and aspects of our life, whether it be when we're husbands, when we're fathers, whatever the case may be. Like, how do you feel, Dre, in terms of just being a boxer has impacted you as a husband and as a father every day with your approach to life? Well, I think it's been a blessing, man, just my wife and kids just being able to see the journey and see the grind. You know, I've been through, uh, haven't had a loss in the ring, but, you know, I've had losses outside the ring. You know, I've had to fight lawsuits, you know, mm-hmm. manager, promoter. I've had to, to deal with countless injuries. And, and a lot of people don't even know the gist of how bad some of those injuries are. You know, I've had to, uh, the dog days of physical therapy, you know, driving an hour to go get to my physical therapist, Lisa G in San Francisco, and the phone's not ringing. Nobody's calling, checking on me because I'm not making any money for anybody. I'm not an asset right now because I'm hurting. I'm on the sidelines. My kids and my wife being able to see those times or, you know, even going through the lawsuits. And I'm like, man, I, am I doing the right thing? I'm, I'm doing this on principle. But, you know, the media spinning it one way, man, am I doing the right thing? And them seeing me work through that and work through my faith and all of that stuff, I think, was a benefit Um for my wife and my kids mm. and and even just just seeing my wife you know just just man she's a trooper man you know my my wife isn't the type of woman that's covering her eyes up ringside at a fight she <laughs> that's going to pray and say babe you're ready mm. you know i got to back here at the house while you at training camp go handle your business yeah. and that was always 
lesson for me. So I hope that my kids and my wife got something for me, but I definitely appreciate the sacrifices my wife and my kids made. Because if you think about it, you know, a training camp is about eight weeks and typically it's two or three times a year. So six months out of the year, I'm training, I'm away from them. So I feel like we kind of, we needed each other, but we kind of blessed each other based on how we dealt with and responded to just the sport of boxing throughout the years. Absolutely. Like I was, I was reading this in Kobe's book, you know, he was just talking about like a lot of times when you see a great athlete or a person that's just great at whatever they do, a lot of people don't realize how many people play a part in that person becoming great and having family members, having friends, right? Different trainers, whatever the case may be. And so that's great, man, that you say that. That's confirmation. Uh, One of the things that I want to touch on as well, Dre, is just that, like, what was your toughest match, your toughest boxing match, your toughest fight? Like, what was your toughest one? That's a a loaded question, you know? Um, (laughs) That's a loaded question because you know you know how it is in, in, in sports. It's like you know you play college football, high school no football at a high level. They're they're tough in different ways. Absolutely. But I would if I had to pick one, Inc. I would probably say uh, one of my biggest moments was getting it was was fighting Edison Miranda. Okay. Now, now Edison Miranda um, was a guy who still had a lot left in the tank, but you know he he had, had his better days were behind him. Right. But he was very dangerous. You mm. know, guy that comes from Columbia uh, hits extremely hard. He was known for putting guys lights out like that's what he was known for his punching power. And I was at the stage where I was at this fringe contender. I was at the contender fringe champion mode stage where it's like some people believe that maybe I was ready for the leap, the jump to fight for a championship. Mm-hmm. Some said, yeah, you got to get through Edison Miranda and let's see how he does. That fight for me, man, was everything because. I got to keep it real with you. When that fight was signed, mm. I had to go take a walk. <laughs> I had to go. I got. To, I had to go have some self talk. No you doubt. Know, because I just knew, like, this is going to be a long night or a short night, depending on how I respond to this. Mm. And I wouldn't say that I was afraid, Inc., but but I had my concerns for sure. No doubt. And I can remember Verge, my coach, telling me he called him. He said, "Dre, the fight is done." I said, "Yeah, I know. I know." He <laughs> said. uh, he said, you need to make up your mind right now that no matter what he hits you with, it's not going to be enough. Mm. And I said, you know, I was just quiet. And he said, people don't realize that the gift of taking a big punch is not just physical and, and neurological. He said, it's in a mindset. Wow. And he would point me to certain fighters, right? Like Aaron Pryor, when Aaron Pryor fought Alexis Arguello, right, in the 80s. Alexis Arguello was this polished you know, he was the golden child. And, and Aaron Pryor was, was a guy that was undefeated and was known as a brawler out of a Cincinnati ghetto. They didn't really know if Aaron Pryor had what it took to beat Alexis Arguello. But when you watch Legendary Nights, it kind of recaps that fight. Mm-hmm. You see the mindset of Aaron Pryor. Aaron Pryor came to the ring and he said, you know, when they did the introductions, the, the ring announcer announced Arguello as Mr. Arguello. And then he turned to me and just said, Aaron Pryor. He said, when he did that, I went to a different place. He said, I took shots that night that an average man couldn't take. So that's what Verge was telling me. So he said, Dre, make up your mind now that this is this is what you're going to do. So and throughout the course of eight weeks, I tried to condition myself. Like, okay, man, no matter what he hit me with, it won't be enough. And this fight was so important. And this fight was so difficult because you had a guy that wasn't that was still a little bit older, but still dangerous. But, but, but Inc., if I didn't perform in this fight, 
Mm-hmm. It was going to give my critics an opportunity to say, yeah, he was a gold medalist, but mm-hmm. I told you he wasn't world championship material. Mm-hmm. Dangerous fight that I had to win. And though the must-win fights, must-win games, those are the biggest and some of the toughest ones you could be a part of. That's incredible, man. Just in terms of breaking down that mindset and that approach, like, that's amazing. Like, I know from the time of your pro debut to now, like, the age you are, how you view life, your perspective, the man you've grown into, like, what would you say to the young Andre Ward, right, that when he was just starting around 2004 when you made the pro debut, like, what would you say to the young Andre Ward and then toward the end of your career, how you view things, how you approach things with the perspective that you had acquired? Man, it's amazing and just being retired for three and a half years now and just mm-hmm. how you reflect and think back and, you know, you got some regrets and then you say, yeah, I did some things good. And just that whole process has been interesting for me. But if I could speak to my younger self, I would I would stress to him, enjoy the process. Mm. Enjoy the process. It's okay to be locked in. You got that. Keep yeah. keep honing that. Yeah. Keep developing that. But 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 smile a little bit more. Mm. Have fun a little bit more. Having fun don't mean you're not focused, but just enjoy the process a little bit more. Even the difficult things, even things with the media that you face, mm. smile about it a little bit more. And that's probably one of my biggest takeaways. And we did have a good time as a team, but I know that there are moments that I probably miss maybe too locked in and too focused where I could have stepped back, exhaled a little bit and say, man, come on, let's go with a smile on my face. No doubt. I um I said the same thing, bro, about my career. I was talking to a kid from Michigan State uh, that had two injuries playing basketball. I thought he was going to go to the NBA at a certain mm. point. And he was saying, what would you say to your younger self in college? I said, mm. man, I would have told myself to enjoy it. I was like, man, I was so locked in and so serious trying to make this dream manifest that even when my injury happened, I embraced it. But when I mm. look back on it, I didn't enjoy all aspects of it like I feel I should have and could have because I yeah. put so much pressure on myself because yeah. of the process of trying to make it happen. But mm. I read something, Dre, on your Instagram, man, and it touched me, right? Like when you, the Hall of Fame, bro, like yeah. when you wrote on there, like, dad, I can rest now, right? Yeah. Like we did it. Yeah. Like those words, man, that was so powerful, man. Tell man. me like- what did that mean to you? Man, Inc., it's, it's, it's surreal from the standpoint of uh, it actually happening. No but I know, man, by the grace of God, I, I know what my resume was. And I, and, I, and I felt the whole time I was a first ballot Hall of Famer. But, you know, you just never know how that thing is going to go. The vote is out of my hands. For sure. You know? And, um, but what I meant by that was, you know, obviously my dad is no longer here. My dad passed, mm-hmm. you know, in 2002 before I even accomplished you know one of our first big goals was the gold medal um but but you know we, we we've been talking about detail we've been talking about you know being locked in and just the process that process was very very real for me mm-hmm. and I had you know incremental moments where I rested after a fight you know for a month went on a vacation went on a cruise but it's always on my mind you mm-hmm. know and I did good. I won the fight, but I got caught with a couple shots, man. As soon as I get back, man, as soon as we get back to the States, man, I got I to gotta get back in the gym and I got to figure this out. You know, the pressure of, of uh, like right now, it's days like, I, I, you know, I just train just to stay in shape, right? Mm. There's days that I wake up, I'm like, man, I don't want to do it today, man. I got a lot of, you know, a lot of work to do. I'm just going to not do it. I didn't have that luxury. 
mm-hmm. when I was an active fighter because in my mind, the way I was brought up as a kid was, man, somebody's always working. And, and my thing was, I'm not the biggest, fastest, strongest, but I can't let you outwork me, man. I just yeah. can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. So that pressure and then being one of the top fighters in the world, then having critics that you don't want them to have the satisfaction of being right. Then you got supporters that you want to prove them right because they've been mm-hmm. supporting you through thick and thin. All of that that pressure, we mask it as athletes and entertainers. We we learn how to compartmentalize. We learn how to live with it, mm-hmm. but it's always present. I got different pressures now, and I don't have that pressure anymore. Mm-hmm. And even though I miss it, miss the game, and that drive is still in me, I'm happy I don't have to check some of those boxes anymore. I, I accomplished the ultimate goal, so now I can finally sit back and maybe enjoy some of the the fruits of the labor and look at some of the belts and finally kind of, you know, say that we did a job well done. No doubt. No doubt. Jay, you did something that a lot of people, you know, don't do, right? Like you retired, you know, undefeated. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's incredible. If a young cat came to you in terms of boxing and asked you, man, what's your insight? What's your advice? How can I do what you just retired doing? What is the advice and insight that you'll give to him? Well, for me, first and foremost, you know, I would have to give him, you know, understanding of my foundation. You know, I don't make decisions just on a whim and I I don't do what's popular. You know, I'm a a God-fearing man. I'm a praying man. My wife is a praying woman and and I also got, you know, great men around me. You know, my pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, Mm. um, he he walked away from the game, you know, at the the height of his career. And he's a man who hears from God. And these are people that I pull on and, and ask questions to, you know, with big decisions like this. Um, but, you know, that would be first and foremost. But but I would tell him, you know, enjoy the process, son, uh, but max out. Max out, baby. Yeah. You only got a certain amount of time to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. So you got to figure that, enjoy yourself, stay mm-hmm. locked in. You got to figure out that dynamic. But when you're in the gym, give it everything you got. When you're studying film, give it everything you got. If you know you, you're not supposed to let your weight balloon up in between fights, do that. Handle that. So when you look back, you don't have them kind of regrets because especially in, in the sport of boxing, Inc., you know, one loss changes your pace. Wow. If you had a minimum, say it was 100000 or a million, if you lose, I guarantee you that promoter's coming back to you saying, man, sorry, bro, you lost. We got to give you half of that. So don't wow. play with money. Don't play with your family's money. Mm. Don't play with your legacy. Like, give it everything you have. So so when you wake up one day and decide you no longer want to do this, and you will wake up one day and decide you don't want to do it, mm. you can wash your hands with the sport and say, I'm done. I got nothing else to prove. That's good, man. That's strong. Yeah. That's yeah. strong. As, <laughs> um, as I take us out, Dre, man, I know you're a busy guy. As I take us out, man, with the current climate of what we're going through in the world, you know, with the pandemic, you know, a lot of people have been affected with adversity and opposition. Like if there's a mantra that you live by, if there's a way that you approach each day, if there's something that you say to yourself, you know, to get through adversity and opposition, what are some words that you would just give to the people right now with the current climate of the world and the time that we're in? Yeah, that's a good question, Inc. And, you know, with all these types of, you know, questions, man, I always got to go back again to my foundation, man. For me, you know, sure. what's happening mm-hmm. is real and, um, you know, it's devastating, man. Many people have lost their lives and it's just, you know, something I've never lived through. Mm. 
you know. Um, the first thing for me, like for me and my family, is it we 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 fought to maintain our faith throughout this season, you know, and not let, you know, it's like two viruses that are running amok right now over the last year. And it's, you know, the actual virus and then, you know, a spirit of fear, mm. you know, just, just gripping people where, you know, they just can't get moving. You know, they, they're afraid to go to the store. They're afraid to go, you know, pump gas. And I get it. I understand it. Like it's, this stuff is real and it's a lot of unknowns. But the first thing for us is just stand in a place of faith, remembering that, Lord, you got us. You, you, you know, you see everything that's going on. You knew this was going to happen. Keep us and protect us. And, you know, God forbid, if we did get it, you know, I believe we're going to get through it. Um, that That's number one. And then, you know, beyond that, man, it's just, you know, just just staying focused and locked in. Because even though we have all this turmoil, whether it's the racial racial unjust um, um, injustice and stuff that's going on, the pandemic, there is opportunity to grow. There are opportunities to to advance. There are opportunities to get better. You know, like you said in the beginning, don't waste this season and waste this time. It's not all bad. There is a lot of bad going on, things we got to address and deal with and face. But it's not all bad. How can I get better? How can I revamp some mindsets? How can I mend some broken relationships now that people are kind of slowed down a little bit? How can I get closer to God? How can I work my craft, whatever my craft may be, a little bit more detailed and be a little bit more focused? How can I get my finances together? Can I get my home in order? Can my marriage do a little work? There's opportunities for us to grow and there's opportunities for us to evolve in this season, man. And I would just encourage people, look for those opportunities. Let the world do what the world is doing. Right. Find your place on where you're going to be in the midst of all of this, but maintain your faith. Resist that spirit of fear. Concern is normal, but don't let fear grip you and just look for opportunities to keep growing and keep evolving and keep developing because time waits for no man. Mm. Even though the virus is going on, the clock is still ticking. Yes, sir. So just keep working and uh, try to remain focused in the midst of all of this. That's what I was saying. You guys heard it, man, from the man himself. Yeah. Dre, we just want to say, man, thank you for your time. We greatly appreciate it. I know this is going to add value to a lot of people's lives, man, and serve as a source of encouragement. So from my heart, bro, I just want to say I greatly appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you having me, bro, man. Thank you so much. For sure.